0: You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. My name is Dinah Janssen. In late May 2021, news broke of the discovery of the remains of 215 Indigenous school children buried at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, a school operated by the Catholic Church between 1890 and 1969, and then by the federal government until it closed in 1978. Today on Campus Beat, we are joined by Dr. Alexander Brown, a geophysicist in the Department of Geological Sciences and Geological Engineering, and also cross-appointed to physics, engineering physics, and astronomy. Dr. Brown is here to explain the technologies and techniques used in the discovery of the remains of these 215 Indigenous children. Thank you, Alexander, for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. So
0: before we launch into our discussion, tell us a little bit about yourself and your research expertise.
1: Well, thanks. As you said, uh, I'm a geophysicist, um, which means um, working in between physics as the traditional science discipline and the earth, uh, which is our target. So we're using physics um, to understand and um, use signals which come back from the earth with information about the structure and the material properties of the earth. Uh, So we can in principle apply this to any type of target from um, small scales at the size of a burial uh, to continental scales or planetary scales. Um, So this is the advantage of um, using physics um, which has different types of signals which uh, physics Um, makes available to us to sense the earth or other planets and uh, yeah that that's what intrigues me to be able to do uh, research and uh, make discoveries in different aspects from finding burials um, uh, to understanding if we need the moon in order to have life on earth which is another project um, to tracking turtles Uh, So all of those projects use geophysical signals uh, to learn something about the targets. And we call them targets, but of course uh, it it really depends. It could be uh, a person, um, an ore body, uh, or uh, um, hydrocarbons or water. So it it doesn't matter to us. Uh, What matters is can we receive a signal from the ground which helps us to understand what is in the ground? Where is it? And does it change over time? Thank you so much.
0: So, Before we move into specifically the technologies used in the discovery of the 215 indigenous school children, I think we can uh, maybe take a moment to contextualize a bit. And while I recognize you were not in Kamloops yourself last month, I wonder if you can talk about the discovery there and how the school actually came to be surveyed and how a geophysics team and the technologies uh, used came to be on the site and who was doing the surveying.
1: Yes, so I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the details. Um, I know that uh, there was a team uh, which used ground mm-hmm. penetrating radar. Uh, and this is often the, the go-to technique in order to find archeological artifacts, um, burials uh, in, in the subsurface, in the shallow subsurface. So it is a logical choice to use ground penetrating radar to do that. Uh, and there is several university groups available, uh, which do these type of uh, archaeogeophysics. geophysics is what we call the, the discipline, mm-hmm. the sub-discipline. Um, and there are several uh, industry uh, or companies, providers of, of GPR surveys. It's the market for ground penetrating radar surveys is not as large as for seismic surveys. And that is simply because the targets are not as valuable um, as oil I and see, gas. I see, I but, see. But nevertheless, uh, we have uh, increasingly more uh, value in understanding the shallow subsurface. So it's, an, it's, it's a technology which develops over time um, and is becoming more critical, uh, the less space we have to build things, Uh, to store things, to Mm -hmm. extract things. Uh, So the shallow subsurface is more or less becoming a part of our our world, right? We we need not only the surface to live on, we need also whatever is underneath our feet in order to continue living, getting the resources um, uh, that we need for our daily lives. So to go back to that um, tragedy, The the site um, was known as a residential school. Uh, So we have uh, a number of parameters which uh, we can assume. We're not interested in the depths of 50 meters. Uh, So we we already have constrained our target to the top Mm -hmm. six feet, uh, let's say. And uh, that limits the number of methods we can use. We need the resolution in order to resolve the targets, in this case burials, which means we need a signal which has a wavelength, which is similar to the scale of the target. Um, Maybe some of you have seen um, Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. the first movie, and they're digging up dinosaurs in this uh, Nevada landscape, and they have this technique, and I think it's seismic or radar, I don't know what they call it, and on the screen, you can see the individual skeleton, the individual bones of those dinosaurs in that geophysical image, and that's science fiction. That's complete nonsense. This is not <laughs> possible. So I, I want to take the audience away from from thinking this is possible. Um, so what we can do is we find disturbances of certain material properties in the ground. If you um, create a burial, you um, dig up the ground, and then you put uh, the dirt back in. And this dirt is now in a different composition, in a different density, uh, with a different uh, compactness, and that uh, allows us to um, send a signal through that material, and we get a different response I see. so which, de- which depends now, Um, maybe on the compactness, maybe on the density, but most um, important, it depends on the moisture level. So um, if you plant new plants in your garden, you dig out a hole and then you put dirt back in, this dirt uh, now is able to store more water. It has higher porosity, it can store the water which is then a different target to our signals than the compact, low porosity soil around it. So If we send the signals through this, we can find where did you disturb the ground? And the same principle applies to burials. We have disturbed the ground and now we're not looking for the individual bodies um, for the remains of a coffin, uh, which decomposes over time, we're looking for the disturbance mm-hmm. in the ground. And and that's often the only thing which is left uh, after uh, several decades to 100, 200 years. And that, that's about the time we can uh, address here in More Thank
0: you for that. I, I do understand that there are uh, several Uh, technologies still use specifically three types of geophysical search methods that are being used. Can you break them down a little bit for us as well? What are these three types of uh, methods that are being used in this type of search?
1: Yes. So as I said, we need to find a signal which has uh, an interaction with our target. So our target dimension is six feet down, Mm -hmm. maybe six feet in every direction. Uh, And in there, we want to find a burial size target. So we we would need to look for a wavelength, which is similar. So a wavelength of a signal, which can interact with our target dimension. If we use a signal, which is a kilometer wavelength, it wouldn't even uh, sense a small six feet anomaly. So we need to go from, um, from long wavelengths to sh- short wavelengths. And that limits our, our methods already. If you would say, let's do seismic, what we use to find oil and gas. Uh, so it's, it's a number one geophysical exploration technique. If we would use that, we have wavelengths at the five to tens of meters. And you can imagine a wavelength which propagates every 10, so goes up and down every 10 meters. It does not necessarily find a six foot um, anomaly in the ground, right? It just goes through that. It's like a wave and you you put a finger in in a big wave. It doesn't touch the wave. Uh, It doesn't change the wave. And that means the wave doesn't sense your little finger in that wave climate. And the same is with our geophysical signals. So we need to find a signal which has a short enough wavelengths to be to interact with our target. And that is much higher wavelengths than seismic, which is ground penetrating radar. We're talking about tens to hundreds of megahertz. And that wavelength now goes down to centimeter or decimeters. And these waves, if you put your finger into these waves, you will feel it, they will interact And um, the best example is we all have a a radar, not a ground-penetrating radar, but a food-penetrating radar in our houses, and it's called microwave. It's the same waves we use to warm up food, which we use to find those burials. And the reason is the wavelength is small enough to interact with our target and get a sense of the target. So when we receive the signal at the surface, we can understand what must have been in the ground. Same with the food, you um, propagate radar waves through your bun, coffee, soup, and it interacts with with the radiation and takes over the energy from the radiation and warms it up. Warms up actually water. So radar um, is absorbed by water, Water is the best um, uh, target for ground penetrating radar or the microwave. So if you, if you have a dry bun and you put it in the microwave, you try to warm it up, it doesn't work. It stays dry and cold. You wet it with a little sprinkle of water and it suddenly starts to heat up nicely and uh, come back out hot. Same in the ground. If you now would add some water to your target, and it absorbs that water, it becomes a very visible target for us. So let's go back to the the soil properties, compactness, porosity, and moisture content. Uh, Let's say you have a cemetery, and you have um, some burials which you just um, put in place, and then it rains, and you come two days later, Um, The soil is still moist, but in some places it's more moist than in others, and it's exactly where you had put down your burial, because the soil is more porous and it stores more water. Now we send our signals through that, and they will be absorbed where you have less compact soil, which is basically disturbed soil. Uh, So that's one of the methods. Um, that on cemeteries you find often higher moisture content where you disturb the soil and lower moisture content or quicker dry up in areas which have not been disturbed. That's one way of using radar to find uh, burials. So the the, the other technique would be logically, why don't we measure soil moisture straight from, from a different technique that's possible as well. We're measuring the electric resistivity of the ground uh, and um, with with two spikes uh, which inject a current which flows through the ground and the more water you have the nicer this current flows and that's what we measure and then you have a moisture uh, content um, measurement for, for the ground. You hop on, go to the next point and you get a a two-dimensional map of soil moisture. That sometimes helps as well. And, um, well, there is also magnetic surveys, which would allow you to find metalliferous objects, which are sometimes uh, connected to coffins, um, like um, hinges, uh, clasps. So these, These would show up in a magnetic survey Um, in about when, uh, we did a survey at the Miners and Sapper Cemetery um, near uh, Newport uh, in Ontario, uh, which was uh, used uh, for um, uh, the people who died during the construction of the Rideau Canal. So in total, there were about a thousand fatalities during building of the Rideau Canal and they uh, buried them right next to the canal and a lot of those cemeteries have been abandoned and uh, they have no grave markers so we were tasked to find is there bodies from uh, the 1830s so we did that and they buried some of their um, the, the miners and separates corps was a British engineering corps and they were buried often in their uniforms uh, with, with uh, brass buttons and so on. So that, that was that, that's one of the targets as well. Um, and, and the last thing uh, I just want to mention is passive seismics where you just simply listen to the vibrations of the environment. And those vibrations travel through the ground in different ways, depending on how the ground is structured. And that Uh, helps us to understand depths to bedrock. How thick is the the soil layer? Uh, And this is is, um, good information if if you're um, trying to investigate where burial sites are. Because if you have the bedrock in one meter depths, it's very unlikely that someone was uh, buried uh, there. So these are just some of the geophysical techniques which apply. By, by far ground penetrating radar is the number one technique for that. So there, there's no question, um, this is the first choice. The other things are more academic. Uh, they're often not applied because the, um, the return of your invested time is, is not always significant. Okay.
0: So let's hear a little bit more about the accuracy of these systems. Are they 100% effective?
1: Unfortunately, not at all. Okay. So, and um, I'm not saying this to discredit my discipline, (laughs) um, but let me rather explain why that is. Uh, We all know how medical imaging works more or less, right? Some of us have, have received medical imaging procedures. So what happens, let's say an ultrasound, you have a device and you put it on your chest or the doctor puts it on your chest and they send a signal out into your body and eventually it gets bounced back by an organ, by a bone, by some type of structure which interacts with that signal, an ultrasound signal. And then we measure how long did it take and um, what is the material the signal propagated through? Well, most of the body is made out of water. We know that, we also know what a kidney is made of, what a heart is made of, what a bone is made of. We know all of those parameters pretty precisely. On top of that, we already know where is the heart, where is the kidney. So now this problem becomes very simple, in quotes. You you know already roughly where your target is. You know what materials are in your body. And now you send a signal in and you know already when to expect it back. So now we can focus on only looking at the differences, the subtle differences between an inflamed heart and and a regular heart. So that's what medical imaging can do. Mm -hmm. They can also receive anywhere around the object, around the body. They can put the the receiver or the ultrasound device uh, on your chest, on your belly, Uh, they can, Uh, put it on your back. They can go around and sample your entire body in 3D. So now imagine we have the earth as our body. We're only looking from one side and we only um, have a rough idea of what's underneath our feet. We don't know the density. We don't know the structure. Um, We basically know almost nothing about the earth. under our feet right at at this scale of uh, a cemetery, let's say. And uh, so now we we can't go just underneath the cemetery and see how our signals uh, arrive at depths. We can't just drill or excavate on each side and, and look from every direction. And we don't know the physical properties of this material So the geophysical imaging problem is orders of magnitude more complicated than medical imaging. And that is the reason that we cannot uh, guarantee that we will find the target in exact shape, depths, material properties uh, with these methods. Because we don't have enough knowledge from just looking from one side. Mm -hmm. Um, if you if you are um, an artist, conservationist, or uh, a sculptor, and you look at a sculpture from one side, do you think you can replicate uh, or sketch that sculpture? No, because you couldn't see behind. Right. I see. You you might be able to see from the surface texture what might be inside. Mm-hmm. But you have a very one dimensional view. And that is the same with with most geophysics uh, surveys. We're only looking from the surface down. We're never looking up and we're almost never looking sideways. And that restricts our ability to image objects. And the other problem is that the materials inside the earth vary much more than the materials in our bodies. So density ranges from 0.5 grams per cubic centimeter to, to eight, nine grams per cubic centimeter. So that's an order of magnitude of different material properties.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the body, it's, this is, it's basically water. Right. And, uh, and that is the main reason why these methods are never perfect. But as we say, um, all models, we derive from those measurements are wrong, but some are useful. And these are the ones we want to to acquire. We want to extract useful information, which we then can interpret because um, those models are better than knowing nothing about the subsurface. And in in, um, the 100 years of uh, geophysical exploration, we have learned how to better interpret those observations, how to acquire better observations um, with new signals, new uh, devices. And so today, this is the number one uh, exploration discipline or exploration technique uh, for, for the Earth. And we have had great success despite its limitations. As long as we are aware of the limitations, we're not expecting Jurassic Park skeletons um, uh, uh, images, then we can, we can do this uh, to the betterment of, of society or uh, a company uh, or this uh, situation we're discussing today. All right.
0: And now I guess one final question that I would have for you, Alexander is, is if we can learn a little bit more about the importance of non-invasive methodologies uh, from the scientific, let alone the ethical perspectives.
1: Yes, that, that's a great point. And, and I, I didn't mention that yet. So thanks for bringing this back to, to the, yeah, the non-invasiveness is, is critical at so many sites. And, and of course, a burial site, uh, you, you, you're not even allowed ethically or legally, to dig into a cemetery, to dig uh, deeper than 25 centimeters or 10 inches. Um, So in your backyard, uh, if you want to dig deeper than that, you you need a permit. So we're not allowed um, to dig into the the ground without uh, someone recording this and giving you permission. Uh, And of course, in a Uh, cultural at a cultural site you you cannot just dig holes and excavate uh, human remains or even artifacts this is all regulated uh, and that's why we cannot just drill and and look for ourselves Uh, so that would be an option just dig a hole and and see what's there Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so we we don't always have validation from seeing it with our naked eyes. Um, So all geophysical techniques try to be non-invasive. Some of them, we need more energy to create the signals which can penetrate to the depths of our target. So in seismic exploration, we we sometimes use vibrating trucks and they vibrate the ground. And this is not that invasive, but sometimes we use explosives and that's quite invasive uh, for the the vicinity of of this explosion. Um, But ground penetrating radar is nothing more than a a lawnmower, which you push across the site. It doesn't leave anything behind. It doesn't penetrate um, the soil. It simply uh, transmits a pulse, a radar pulse, an electromagnetic wave into the ground and waits until something bounces back and it bounces back from dielectric property contrasts. So dielectric properties, um, I mentioned that before, are very particular for water or metallic objects. So they have very high dielectric permittivity. And a soil and rock have very low dielectric permittivity, which means if you have a nail or a hammer in, in sand, you have a sharp contrast in dielectric uh, permittivity and from that contrast this wave this radar wave bounces back up and that gives us a time measurement how long did it take for this wave to travel from the surface mm-hmm. from our lawnmower gpr to the hammer and back That's a two-way travel time that tells us something about um, the depths but only if we know what's the speed of that radar wave through the ground which depends now on the material mm-hmm. in this case it would have would have been sand. Um, and that doesn't interact, besides we're warming up the ground a little bit, but this is just negligible. So it's like a microwave, which we push across and then we radiate um, the ground with microwaves, but it doesn't really uh, matter. This this is absolutely negligible. It, it, this almost sounds like we're doing something with the ground, but um, Yes, it, it is absolutely non-invasive. Uh, and uh, the only concern sometimes is that we interfere with um, with actually radio transmission um, or emergency services. If you would transmit this radar signal into the air um, in, a, in an urban center next to your radio station antenna, you could disturb the antenna because these radar waves are, um, well, strong enough to get to the depths we want. And if they would um, go up into the air, they could interfere with, with your radio station transmission or transmitter. But for that, the antennas are shielded. So they do not transmit the radar waves up into the air. There is a shield and they only go down into the soil. And from there, they're not coming back in significant uh, amounts. So in, in any aspect, it is non-invasive it doesn't interact with the environment, uh, with uh, um, the subsurface, with humans. Uh, it is, it's a safe technology. And I think we need uh, that because in any cultural setting, you do not want to get there with a shovel and, uh, uh, or with a signal which disturbs something. You want to leave it as it is until you know what it is.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right, so our time has uh, come to an end. Thank you very much, uh, folks. We have been chatting with Dr. Alexander Brown about the, the, the science and the techniques and the technologies uh, used to uh, understand uh, or, or used in the discovery of the remains of 215 Indigenous children and their applications uh, as they can be used in other sites around the world too. Thank you very much for your time, Alexander. It was very fascinating to learn uh, about these techniques. We really do appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much.